This is Classic Lutheran Preaching on KNNA LP 95.7, Lincoln, Nebraska. This is Pastor John Schmidt with an abridged reading of Martin Luther's sermon for the second Sunday after Trinity. This is from the John Nicholas Linker Collection, published in 1905 and reissued by Baker Bookhouse in 1983. The scripture text for this sermon is Luke 14, beginning at verse 16. But he, that is Jesus, said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many, and he sent forth his servant at supper time, to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And the servant came and told his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and blind and lame. And the servant said, Lord, what thou didst command is done, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and constrain them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. This is our text. The occasion of this sermon by Christ was the miracle which the Lord Jesus Christ performed in the house of a Pharisee, when he healed one sick of the dropsy. But the evangelist tells how they followed him and were on the watch for him in order to catch him. Therefore he also begins to lecture them and tells them how they are filled with pride and vanity, and crowd into the highest seats until he at length comes to the host, and reads a text also to him, how he should invite his guests, not the rich who can invite him again and thank him for it, but the poor who may welcome him again in the life to come. Following this address, one of them, who thought himself much more learned than Christ the Lord, begins to say, Oh, how blessed is he who eateth bread in the kingdom of God! As though he would say in his great wisdom, You make yourself unprofitable enough by your preaching. If it would depend on preaching, I can do that too, even better than you, for I consider this a truly great sermon. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Christ replies to him, Yes, says he, I will tell you how blessed you and your comrades are. A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and they despised it and would not come. This blow was meant for him, as though he would say, You say much in the words that he is a blessed man who eats bread in heaven. Oh, but you are in very great earnest. What an excellent holy man you are, namely, you are one of those who were invited and yet did not come. These are hard, sharp, and terrible words when rightly understood. For he is speaking to real thoroughgoing rogues who sit about the table, not because they wanted to learn anything, but in order to observe him closely to see by what means they might come to him and take him. To those he spoke this parable. A certain man made a great supper. This man who prepared this supper is our Lord God himself. He is a great and rich Lord who also once prepared a feast according to his glorious majesty and honor, and it was such a supper which is called great and glorious not only on account of the host who is God himself, for it would be a glorious supper if he only gave a vegetable broth or a dry crust, but the food is beyond all measure, great and costly, namely the holy gospel, yea, Christ our Lord himself. He is himself the food and is offered unto us through the gospel. 
how he has made satisfaction by his death for our sins, and has redeemed us from all the misery of eternal death, of hell, of the wrath of God, sin, and eternal condemnation. This preaching of Christ is the great and glorious supper, with which he feeds his guests and sanctifies them through his holy baptism, and comforts and strengthens them through the sacrament of his body and blood, that nothing may be wanting, and a great plenty may be at hand, and all become satisfied. Thus this supper is justly called a glorious great supper on account of the fare and food, so costly and richly prepared that no tongue can describe it and no heart sufficiently grasp it. For it is an eternal food, an eternal drink, by partaking of which a man shall never more thirst nor hunger, but be forever satisfied. His thirst is quenched, and he becomes joyful. And this not only for one man, but for the whole wide world. Even if it were ten times wider, they would all have sufficient. For it is an inexhaustible food, and an everlasting drink, as our gospel says. He who believeth on this Lord Jesus Christ, that he was born for us of the Virgin Mary, and crucified for our sins under Pontius Pilate, died, descended into hell, and rose again from the dead, and sitteth at the right hand of God, and so forth. He who believes this, eats and drinks truly from this supper. For to believe in Christ the Lord means to eat and to drink, from which the people become satisfied, fat and stout and strong, so that they are joyful forever. This is rightly called a great supper, because it is so precious and is offered to so many people that every one may eat until he is satisfied, and yet the food never becomes less. For it is such a great and strengthening food that it endures forever and gives eternal life, for it nourishes us differently than our mere bodily eating and drinking. If one is eaten and drunk enough today, he must still eat again tomorrow. But this is an eternal food and lasts forever. With this, Christ gives those hypocrites at the table to understand that it is a different supper from what they had given him, and yet there are such rogues and knaves that although they gossip and talk about it a great deal, yet they despise God and his mercy, eternal life and salvation, and hold everything else dearer. It further follows, And he bade many. The many who are bidden are the Jews and all the people of Israel, who from Abraham on, and especially through the prophets, had been invited. For to the patriarch Abraham the seed was promised, through whom the blessing should come, and to him as the father of this people was this supper first announced. After that the prophets carried it further, and directed the attention of the people to it, so that nothing was wanting on the part of the Lord our God, and all were diligently invited. Therefore St. Paul in his epistles everywhere tells the Jews, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now when the hour came to go to the table, that is, when the time came for our Lord Christ to be born, to suffer, and rise again from the dead, then the servants went out, John the baptizer and the apostles, and said to those who were bidden, to the people of Israel, Dear people, hitherto you have been invited. Now is the time to come, now the supper is ready. Your Lord Jesus Christ, your Messiah, is already born, has died, and rose again. Therefore do not remain away any longer. Come to the table, eat, and be happy, that is, accept your promised treasure with joy, who has, according to the promise, delivered you from the curse and condemnation, and has saved you. And this message was brought especially to the leaders of the people, who held high offices in the spiritual and civil governments. But what did they do with it? 
and they all with one consent began to make excuse. This was a lesson for those guests who sat with Christ at the table, and especially for the good-for-nothing babbler who wanted to master Christ and preached much about the bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is the man who eats bread in the kingdom of heaven. Yes, Christ answers, do you want to know how blessed you are? I will tell you. The bread is now on the table and the supper prepared. John the baptizer was here. I and my apostles invite you now to come to the supper, but you do not only stay away, you let the host sit at his great and glorious supper, but you even want to excuse yourselves and yet be pure. Hence it is a twofold sin, not only that you despise the gospel, but even claim to be doing right and to be even holy, pious, and wise. This is a very grievous sin. It were already too wicked not to believe in the word of God our Lord, but as they go further and despise it and yet want to be just besides, is going entirely too far. As our young noblemen also do, who have disgraced and blasphemed the sacrament and have given us erring creatures only one part, and at the same time excuse themselves and claim thereby to have done right. Yea, they also condemn us and oppress us with all kinds of martyrdom, murder, and drive away the people who truly desire to enjoy the whole sacrament. Thus Christ our Lord lectured this sharp doctor and his associates at the table, and showed them how they stood before our Lord God, namely that God was angry at them and would look out for other guests as follows. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and maimed and blind and lame. As though he would say, Very well, inasmuch as this must be done, that you must examine your land and oxen and take unto you wives, and on this account neglect my supper, that is, you want your priesthood, kingdom, and wealth, and will let me and my gospel go, hence I will let you go too, that on this account you will lose all, and I will provide me other guests. Therefore go forth, my servant, into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and crippled, the lame and blind. This was also done among the Jews, for as the great lords, princes, and priests, and those who were the best among the people would not accept the gospel, for reasons already given out, our God and Lord accepted the humble fishermen, the poor, miserable, and despised little flock, as St. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 1. For behold your calling, brethren, that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God chose the foolish things of the world, that he might put to shame them that are wise, and God chose the weak things of the world, that he might put to shame the things that are strong, and base things of the world, and things that are despised did God choose, yea, and the things that are not, that he might bring to naught the things that are. According to this passage, all that are wise, holy, rich, and powerful, God has rejected because they will not accept his gospel. And the foolish, simple, and the most insignificant little lights, as Peter, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and the like, who were poor fishermen and needy beggars, whom he here calls the poor, the maimed, the lame, and blind, are chosen, whom no one would have considered worthy to be the servants of the priests and princes of the people. These were left like dregs, and as Isaiah says, the dregs of the good, costly wine, the best among the people, the priests, the leaders, the rich, and the powerful are cast out as a vessel of good wine, and the dregs alone are left, which the Lord here calls the poor, the lame, the maimed, and the blind. 
These are promoted to grace and honor, so that they become acceptable to God and dear guests, because the others, the high and great people, will not come. What the Pharisee now says, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God, to which Christ answers, Yea, blessed are they, but you and your followers are concerned about your farm and oxen. You speak of these things, therefore you shall know that a supper has been prepared, of which the poor shall eat. As the text says in Matthew 11, the poor have the gospel preached to them. For the powerful, the saints, the wise do not want it. Therefore it has come to pass that both priests and leaders have been cast away as the best wine, because they held so firmly to their oxen, their land, and their wives. And in their stead have been promoted the poor beggars, who came to the gospel in this glorious supper. This is to press the Jews very hard, and especially this one here who wants to be wise and to eat bread in heaven, and yet he clings to his priesthood and kingdom. Let Christ and his gospel be what they may. For his heart is so constituted that he does not want Christ at all to make sure of heaven, but thinks our Lord God will say to him and all the Jews, Come, you Jews, and especially you priests, you saints, you princes, you fat citizens, for your supper is prepared. Yes, says he, it is true, you are invited, but you care nothing for it, and excuse yourselves and claim that you are right. Therefore I cast you away, and accept rather the most humble people, even if I shall obtain no one but the despised, the poor, the maimed, and the lame. Thus it shall also be done to our adversaries, and nothing shall help them, though they be great, holy bishops, powerful princes and lords, and think that our Lord God will not thus cast them away, and accept only the poor rat's nest at Wittenberg, and the humble flock who love the gospel. Yes, my dear friend, if God has cast away the best among his people who had such glorious and great promises, and took the dregs, neither will he give it to thee. Simply because you are great, holy, and powerful will not enable you to eat bread in heaven, for the poor have the gospel preached to them. For our Lord is much greater, stronger, wiser, and holier than all kings and all devils. Therefore he cares but little about your holiness or power. And if you will still defy him and so wickedly despise his word, he will then also rise up against you, so that all your wisdom, power, and holiness will come to naught. Thus far this gospel lesson pertains only to the Jews, for Christ speaks of the lame and cripple who are found in the streets of the city. The people of the Jews are called a city because they were a constituted and well-ordered people and had the law, the worship, the temple, the priests, and king all of which was ordained by God himself and established by Moses. Now he also sends his servants into the highways and commands him to take guests wherever he could find them, even the beggars along the hedges and everywhere. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and constrain them to come in, that my house may be filled. This refers to us, the heathen who have dwelt in no city, who were without any worship of the true God, but were idolatrous and did not know what we or God were. Therefore our condition is properly called a free open place on the highways, in the field, where the devil walks over us and has his quarters. Go thither, he says, and constrain them to come in, for the world arrays itself against the gospel in every way, and cannot tolerate this doctrine, and yet this house father wants his house full of guests. 
for he himself has thus made preparations, and he must now have people to eat, drink, and be joyful, even if he had to make them out of stones. Here we can also see that Christ our Lord suffers the world to stand so long for our sakes, although he would have sufficient reason, because of our sins, to destroy it every moment. Yet he does not do this, because he still desires more guests, and because of the elect who also belong to this supper. Now, because his servants bring the precious gospel to us, it is an indication that we who are baptized and believe also belong to this supper, for we are the great lords of the hedges who are blind, poor, and lost heathen. But how shall we be constrained, as God does not want any forced worship? He constrains us by having the gospel preached to all men. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Here he shows us both heaven and hell, death and life, wrath and grace, and reveals unto us our sin and ruined condition, so that we may be awakened on account of it. Because we hear that a man, as soon as he is born, naturally belongs to the devil and is condemned. This is part of this constraint, by which one is terrified at the wrath of God and desires grace and help from him. When this has taken place by preaching, and the hearts are thus stricken and awakened, he then desires that we should preach thus, Dear friend, do not despair because you are a sinner and have such a terrible sentence passed upon you. But do this, go forth and be baptized and hear the gospel. Here you will learn that Jesus Christ has died for your sake and has made satisfaction for your sins. If you believe this, then you will be safe against the wrath of God and eternal death, and you shall eat here at this glorious supper and live well, become hearty and strong. This means rightly to constrain, namely to terrify with sin, not as the Pope constrains with his ban. He does not properly awaken the conscience because he does not teach what sin really is, but deals with his foolish work, saying, Whoever does not observe his order and human tradition shall be put under the ban. But the gospel begins to reveal sin and the wrath of God from heaven, as it says in Romans 1, that we all live unrighteously and, un and godlessly without exception. This our Lord commands us to preach through the gospel when he says to the apostles, Go forth and preach repentance. But a man cannot preach repentance unless he declares that God is angry at all men because they are full of unbelief, contempt of God, and other sins. This wrath must terrify them and make their consciences timid and fearful, that they constrain themselves and say, O Lord God, what shall I ever do to be relieved from this distress? Now when man is terrified and feels his wretchedness and misery, then it is right to say to him, Sit down at the table of this rich lord and eat, for there are yet many tables without guests and plenty to eat, that is, be baptized and believe in Jesus Christ, that he has made satisfaction for your sins. Otherwise there are no means to aid you except you be baptized and believe. Thus wrath will cease and heaven will shine with pure grace and mercy, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. Therefore these words constrain them to come in are for the poor miserable multitude of those who are constrained, that is, especially we who before were lost and condemned heathen, the lovely and comfortable from the masses by which God desires to forcibly portray and show unto us his unfathomable grace. 
for it must ever be an unspeakable love that he shows in these words that he is so desirous for our welfare and salvation that he commands us not only friendly to call and encourage poor sinners to come to this supper, but also desires them to be urged and constrained, that such urging is not to cease, that they may only come to his supper. This constraining, however, is necessary in preaching both repentance and forgiveness of sins, for without repentance we remain too hard and obdurate under his wrath, in our sinful nature, and in the kingdom of the devil. And moreover, when the terror of divine wrath strikes us, we are again too fearful, modest, and disturbed to take this to heart and believe that he will show us such great grace and mercy. And we are always full of anxiety that we do not belong to him, and that he will reject us because of our sins and great unworthiness. Therefore he must himself command and work that men continue and persevere evermore to constrain and urge as much as possible, both by holding forth wrath for the wicked and grace for the faithful. Wrath and repentance urge man to run and cry for grace. This is then the right way a person goes to this supper. And thus from Jews and Gentiles there will be one Christian church, and all will be called alike poor, miserable people, lame and crippled, for they accept the gospel heartily and with joy. Those, however, who will not do this, be they as wise and shrewd as they please, receive this sentence, They shall not taste of this supper, that is, the wrath of God shall remain upon them, and they shall be condemned as on account of their unbelief. For here our Lord God does not inquire, as before said, whether they be rich, wise, or holy. Therefore, although they be already secure and think there is no danger, they will nevertheless experience that this sentence will stand when the Lord here concludes, They shall not taste of my supper. We, however, who accept it and with terrified hearts on account of our sins, do not reject the grace of God, which is made known to us in the gospel through Christ and is offered to us, shall receive grace instead of wrath, instead of sin, eternal righteousness, and instead of eternal death, eternal life. God grant that we may thus remain constant to the end. Amen. This has been a presentation of Classical Lutheran Preaching from the Sermons of Martin Luther, the John Nicholas Linker Collection of 1905, and reprinted by Baker Bookhouse in 1983. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.